Hello, and welcome to the Community IT Innovators Technology Topics Podcast, where we discuss nonprofit technology, cybersecurity, tech project implementation, strategic planning, and nonprofit IT careers. Find us at communityit.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Community IT Innovators presentation on moving an office, an update on what has changed and what you need to be aware of in terms of newer IT. This is an update to our previous webinar, Planning an Office Move. My name is Carolyn Woodard. I'm Marketing Director at Community IT. So now I'm going to ask Rick and William some questions we've been getting from clients in the community about IT and office moves. And ironically enough, they are doing this interview during the first days of Community IT being in our new offices that we just moved to. So they have some firsthand and immediate knowledge of how to move offices now. Rick and William, would you like to introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Rick Alloway. I've been with Community IT for 17 years and have done, I don't even know, at least over 40 office moves. Hi, I'm William Maxwell. I've been here for 22, 21 years. I lost track. And I can't tell you how many office moves I did. There's a lot of those too. I see you guys are in a conference room today, sitting at a big table. Are you seeing that new offices or when people are downsizing or going into shared space that they do still have specific um, spaces for specific needs or are you seeing more flex space? And if you see kind of more flexible spaces, do you wire them differently? Like what, what are you seeing? Uh, so this is all kind of new. And uh, I've seen various things in the new office that we just uh, are getting into. They're, they've opened up a whole section of the of the office to be sort of flex space, sort of round tables and chairs and things. Uh, they sort of rearranged a lot of the cubes too to be um, a hoteling space or whatever you want to call it, where people can just kind of come in and pop in. Um, these days, most laptops can do USB C, so you can always do a USB C um, docking station that'll take. It'll take these days and pretty much any brand of laptop, Mac included, um, and we'll run your keyboard, mouse, video, uh, Ethernet off of it. Um, so I recommend that for your hoteling space, but for the flex space, the couches and stuff, obviously Wi-Fi is fine. Just make sure there's a good um, Wi-Fi antenna mm -hmm. access point in that area. I mean, here they've got a floating, I don't know if it's on wheels, but charge like a little floating little power things that kind of come up to desk height that look like you can move them around a little bit. Yeah. And it's kind of round and you can sort of move it around and people can yeah sit it there for a meeting and have all their stuff plugged in. Yeah. I think power for these flex, like flex spaces seem to be popular, but being able to pow have power there is probably something important. And there's lots of creative solutions. Some of the chair, some of the couches we were getting rid of um, had a power plug right there down there so like if you're just sitting there plop, plug at your phone charge and everything um i don't know is anybody doing wireless charging anymore for their phones and stuff i do but i've never seen it in an office yeah. um offices uh, all the the conference room tables used to have a thing that popped up and it had a couple of usbs to plug in your phone or your charger and uh regular ports like i said we had couches with usb plugs to charge your phone yeah. on uh, I haven't seen as much of that lately. But yeah, the conference room is where all your Ethernet cables will definitely go. Most of this, most of the fancy equipment do not 
do not work well on Wi-Fi. And as for as much as you're spending on them, you probably don't want them to work on Wi-Fi either. <laughs> um, yeah, Ethernet is going to be there. Um, people, like, we have, like, mm, this is a shared space, so this is a shared conference room. So I think there'll be more of that moving forward where you're, you've got a hoteling system or a shared conference where you just to schedule the time when you need the big room, but then the big room is not, you don't, you're not, we're not paying for this big room when we're not in it. So that's usually a lot of the shared places come through. Um, and a lot of, a lot of office buildings are offering something like that in their, in their space. Like you, we know you're renting a small space and we got this big conference room down here that you can check out when it's available. And we, and I know we took advantage of that in our old office building a lot too. So. That's something to ask when if you're looking for as you look for new space to see what options you have. Right. Yeah. You don't need a whole conference room to yourself if you're only going to be using it, you know, once every two months. That makes a lot of sense. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about the servers and to the organizations that have gone into the cloud completely and don't have any more servers. They probably had old dedicated space in their old office for that. Are there is it a savings if you're moving or what are the considerations if you're moving into a space and you know that you don't need a server room anymore? You mean for the, are you saying, should you have a smaller server room? Or if you don't need one at all, like. Well, I think everybody still needs a place to put your modem that's locked behind a door, mm -hmm. right? That should still be off, off limits to everybody. You're still going to have a switch. You're still going to have a small patch panel, even if all you're doing is going to two printers and two Wi-Fi access points. It's still there's still there's still just a little bit of equipment. It's maybe a very small footprint. It may be the size of a filing cabinet now instead of a giant walk-in right. closet. But you still need a little bit of space. And if you have the walk-in closet, tossing a desk in your ID person to work in there might mm -hmm. won't hurt. Yep. And a lot of people just get the little cage. It's just, it's basically a file cabinet. Mm -hmm. and it's just a lock on it, and it's got spaces for all the wires to come into. It just kind of keeps all your wife, your IT equipment together and locked away, but out of yeah. the way. You'll be surprised how much inventory you ha might have to manage um, if you're providing computers to staff, especially mm -hmm. keyboards, monitors, and mice that are, you want to have on hand when stuff breaks, just so you can have a few extras and. You don't have to run around and pay whatever inflated price Staples or the guy that pretends to be Staples online is doing. So, yeah, I mean that, but there's also been times where it's just the just in the printer room up on the wall somewhere, and that's also fine if if you're not if you don't have a server and just you're going to have an IT area for that stuff. Just keep that in mind. That makes yeah. sense. And I don't have a good answer for how you should do inventory when in a hybrid situation, right? Like if, if, if you need to have spare keyboards and mice and monitors around for people who work from home to come in and grab them, but the person who met, but you don't have a dedicated person on site to loan them out and keep track of who gets what, I'm not quite sure what the best answer is for that right now. I mean, the honor system is a good default. Because it's not like people are getting charged for the keyboards like immediately. Like if you run through five five keyboards, then you know that'll raise a flag, and you may not get a, a sixth keyboard. Um, 
But, you know, most times people are like, I need a keyboard, grab one. It's fine. And yep. there's usually somebody, if you have an office space, someone should be in general charge help. Even if they were the accidental person that helped set everything up, somebody goes to the office to just to check the mail and whatnot if you have a space that you get mail to. So that should probably just, how many keyboards we have left? Do we need any more? That sort of thing. Right. And this is where all remote is almost easier. Because mm-hmm. like you said, you have a you have a standard keyboard, mouse, monitor, webcam, laptop that each employee gets. And if somebody needs something else, you buy it directly from Dell or Amazon and ship it right to them. Uh, and that way, somebody's controlling inventory that way. Yeah. I'm controlling what the inventory is and who gets what and who's purchased what. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted, if you wanted to keep something on site, even if you're fully remote, that's possible. It's just not insured and maybe not recommended. Especially now since shipping times are getting ridiculous again. I don't know. It's a tough situation. I feel like at my old office, we had this one fancy projector and there was a little sign-up sheet for it. And I, every time it got broken, the last person who had it said, I didn't drop it, you know? It was, it was definitely a a difficult thing. So yeah, I think trying to avoid that situation, you know, makes sense. But you, if you're in an organization where there are going to be times when someone needs to come to the office and they, they can't bring their laptop for some reason that you would have a loaner that, that kind of makes sense. So now I'm going to transition to a couple of questions that we got from our, um, questionnaire that we sent out to ask people about their experiences with moves and the questions about moves. And I think actually you've covered a bunch of them already. So it's good that we have some convergence there. Um, But one of the questions was um, if you wanted to just hit on maybe three or four things that are the things to watch out for. So when you are switching, moving, are there, you know, like three or four things um, that you need to, like maybe categories of things that you need to keep in mind as you're planning your move or, or executing that move? Well, the one we uh, harped on in the last video was always, always, always make sure your internet's set up in the new spot before you leave the old one. If you got to pay to overlap for a week or two, that's, it's worth the cost because not having internet in your new space makes your new space kind of worthless. True. But if they can go downstairs to Starbucks, it's kind of... Well, yeah. it still means your new space is worthless. Yeah, true. Um, know who your who your um, white glove people are. Who needs the extra help? Who who needs to make sure that their hand their walk through what they need to do in case something goes wrong while they're while they can't go to the office? Like know who those people are. Most times, if you're watching this video, you already someone just popped in your head. And you know who that who who they are, so it's not going to be. It's not usually it's not a surprise who those people are. Um, I'm thinking. Yeah, make sure the people who are paying the bills are happy. Uh, and yeah, other than that, just make sure all the other staff know what's working, what's not working, and when it will work. So, like, when can they come to the new office and enjoy the new amenities? And when should they just stay home? Or unless you just take the afternoon off and enjoy a nice afternoon. Right. Give everybody lots of lead time and uh, 
Was it under promise over deliver? If you think it's going to take one day, tell everybody it's going to be three days. Um, just to work out the kinks. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if we have top four. Phones are what phones are going to be. The voice over IP is almost everywhere. So I don't know how the phones are going to work when your internet works. In most case, in most cases, but if you're not if you're not moving a server, if you don't have to worry about a phone system set up, then it's uh, it's just the internet. Um, most of the copy companies that manage the printers and whatnot will move the the fancy compute the fancy uh, copiers for you. If you just tell them, hey, we're moving, we need to move this copier over, because they're leasing it and they hope to get it back in a good in good condition one day. So they usually like, yeah, yeah, we'll just do it. Um, although you may look at them do it and just be like, I could have done that, but that's okay. It's all about the insurance and who's going to pay for it if something dropped. Um, yep. Uh, if you are wiring up a new closet, get new wires, right? The old patch panels have probably been in there for at least a decade. Doesn't hurt to get nice short cables and get it nice and clean, start fresh. I wish I had a picture to show you. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. No, I'm just thinking of what else What else there might be. Yeah, wireless access points, if you've had the same ones for over six years or whatever. I mean, for yeah, new infrastructure equipment, is is good for a move. It helps you maintain the old system, the old office and the new office with new equipment. Um, like new switches, new Wi-Fi access points, new firewall or security appliance. That's good for a transition at the at an office move. Um, so plan to put some of the budget for the move into investing in the new hardware equipment that you probably don't think about, but this is a good opportunity to to upgrade to have the new stuff. Yeah, and the new stuff shouldn't require a big project. We're not talking about getting rid of your server, moving to the cloud. It's just replacing hardware. Yeah. I mean, if your hardware is less than two years old and still has warranty on it, I would plan to move it and not plan to buy a new one. Anything older than that, anywhere, anything between three and five years old, think about it and check when the warranty is going to expire. But anything older than that, definitely get new stuff. Although over three years is usually about the time you think about new stuff for that. This is a perfect segue into one of the questions was, do you have advice on recycling the old equipment? Are, is it somebody should just Google recyclers near me or are there like standard um, things that you advise? I think computer recycling, Googling is usually uh, near me, depending on where you are when you're watching this. Um, we have a few in our area that we like. Um, I don't know what the current list stacks up to. I don't know, but it changes. Like who's who's good and who's gone out of business during the pandemic and everything else. I think is all kind of changed around. We just took on a new company that we like, but you know who knows. The um, where we live in Washington D.C., it's all about uh, people who have DoD rated um, uh, levels of data destruction, which is where I believe they take a hard drive and overwrite it with random ones and zeros seven times, and that's considered DoD level. I thought, uh, I thought that's when they shred the hard drives into little tiny metal pieces. Oh, they can do both. Mm. Um, 
anyway, that's like the gold standard of data destruction. Yeah. If you're going to get rid of your servers. Um, so that's probably more than most people require. Mm-hmm. Um, but you should still wipe your hard drives before you recycle the computers. Um, other equipment, switches, cables, all that stuff, that can go to any IT recycler. Yeah, there's going to be, you know, guaranteed that they're going to take care of things properly. Going back to the wipe your systems, there is there's free open source software uh, to erase your hard drive. And it's one, I think you can put it on a flash drive and boot up to it and it'll just clear everything out of there for you. Do you remember what it's called? Yeah, Kill Disk. Kill, is it still? Kill Disk is still on top? I don't know. Yeah. That's one I used to use. So it's actually called Kill Disk and it, they probably have a USB. Uh, yeah, they do. I've used it recently. You can ins- install it on a USB a spare one and you just boot to it. Tell it what you want to tell it. You want to destroy it. They make you confirm and might even print something in a certificate for you at the end, or at least a picture you can take in case you need verification that you, that you had it. Some people like to keep records of that. There's nothing wrong with that. I know plenty of people that like records for that sort of thing. Yeah. That's just for desktop stuff for servers that have RAID on them. You have to do a little bit uh, more than just use the freeware. Yeah. But you can talk to your IT people about that. That is a perfect uh, segue to my next question, which came in uh, in our questionnaire, which was about security. So I think this person had a question both about managing security during the move for the IT security, cybersecurity, but maybe also security um, for the physical physical move and that type of security. So do you have any advice on that? Mm. So for physical security, There's two ways I've seen it done. Neither sound great. One is the servers are the last in, first out. So they pack all the stuff into the truck and put the servers in very last. And then you're sitting there with them. You watch the servers pack everything up. You you watch it go to the truck. Right. You put a person on the servers and you you stay with this. You don't ride in the truck, but. Yeah, but you're with the truck, right? And then you go to the new location. The servers are the very first thing to come out. You watch them, you go with them, bring them all up to the room and then get them back in the new locked room and start setting them up. Uh, The other option for particularly small organizations is, and this is not a good option. I'm just saying this has been done many times. The office manager or the IT people go put it in their trunk and take it over personally and set it back up so the movers aren't in charge of it. That's not a good idea for a lot of reasons because anybody can drop it and it's not insured in any of that. But it's a way, if we're not talking about large stuff, we're talking about smaller stuff. It's a way to make sure you maintain physical control over your device at all times. I know if we're thinking about how to secure the equipment that you have, it goes back to the lock, still having a locked area for your tech tech stuff. You can buy network network cages, the network racks is what, the network racks with locks on them that have all the four walls covered up with screens. So it gives air, but then you have a key that you can take with you. It's not the greatest, it's not the most secure key, but I imagine you can buy more expensive locks. Yeah. If you talk to to a a locksmith, but it gives you basic security that, you know, unless someone really, really wants to get in there. And I think if there should be a point where you're like, if someone really, really wants to get in there, it's not worth the money you want to spend to keep them out. Anybody with a pair of bolt cutters can get into most things. Mm-hmm. Basic. And there's YouTube. So YouTube teaches a lot of things. Yeah. 
Um, so that kind of covered the physical security of it, which I think, yeah, it's like in every movie, you know, it's like they kind of get into the locked door, like they put a piece of gum on the lock or whatever. Um, so if they really want to get in there, of course, they're going to be able to get in. Are there any considerations when you're moving around cybersecurity? I mean, I think the key stop for that is just knowledge. As long as your staff know these things are offline, they will be offline. Do not trust anything else that comes that says it's not ready. We'll let you know. We'll send official, we'll send messages out when things come back online. And as long as, and I think as long as they know, as long as staff are well-informed, they get into the rhythm of this is what's happening when during the move. If something weird happens, then they're like, wait, wait this doesn't seem right. This didn't come from the right person or the email looks weird and this is not what we're expecting. Then they'll cause them to question and they may call. And I think have a system where you're that somebody's available to pick up a call during the move process for questions like that. Like you want to make sure that staff are not connecting to things when you like, okay, I just put everything in the back of my car. You shouldn't be able to connect to anything. Nevertheless, somebody's Wi-Fi network. So someone's like, I think I connected to our Wi-Fi network and they called you from their cell phone. Like, no, no, no. You want to be able to stop that before it gets too far. Um, and I think a lot of hosted systems have their own. Um, you want to make sure that, oh yeah, some hosted systems have a, they keep an, they keep an idea on where you are when you connect regularly. So letting, so sometimes when you move stuff, enough stuff changed that it'll also have built-in security. Like, oh, you're not in your old, in your usual spot. I'm going to give you your, your multi-factor authentication challenge or challenge this. And you might get locked out and you may have to deal with staff getting locked out because of that. But that's kind of what the security, you want the security to do. If someone's trying to access something from the wrong spot to toss a flag. Um, yeah, it's preferable to to have that inconvenience than to lose something that's important. I would say maybe you also want to, you know, tell your finance people, like, you know, if somebody, you have a payment going out or whatever, and it's like, oh, we have a different address, all of those sorts of things, like for the period of time that you're moving, make sure that all of your processes are still working. Like if it takes two people, two signatures, it still takes two signatures and they better be the right person. <laughs> and when you notify your vendors that you're moving, give them the exact date that things are switching over. So they know not to like, so they don't process things wrong. And just talk to your vendors, especially the finance, the finance, finance geared ones. So they know like this address and this, this is, it's not going to work after this. So don't accept it, reject it. Like see what their security practices are as well as a, to, uh, to help during that process too. But yeah, in, in, no, um, information and knowledge is probably the best um, security procedure. I love it. I think that's a great place to end, but I have one more question that came through. I mean, you've answered all of these. We have got so many questions and I think you've really done a great job of answering all of the updated questions. But we had one comment who said, uh, when we moved, we had to make a lot of decisions about hardwiring, about changes. We switched from landlines to VOIP. We switched IP providers. We had to work with a landlord. We moved 
one of our service servers, we did commission another and all of the desktops and all of the remote workers that they had to support as well. So I know in our previous uh, webinar, we talked about the checklist um, by month of how soon you had to get prepared. But do you think uh, in the current environment, like how, how early would you say to start planning for this move? What's your advice? Because there's so much to think about. I think it's still the same as soon as you can. I think as soon as you can start, you can start planning, do it. I don't think there'd be lack of too much work to do, but it'll give you peace of mind that things are lining up. Yep. And just clearing out our old stuff, but just from the IT point of view, because you've got plenty of other things to do, the earlier you can clear out old junk out of your server room, the earlier you can move to the cloud, anything that you can. Um, again, if we've been working from home already, you're probably halfway there. Um, with getting your systems ready. So, yeah. yeah. ISPs still have lead times. So knowing where where you're going, like figuring out where you're going is probably the most, the first thing to do. And then what ISPs are going to be there that will support the, that you work with. So knowing all that ahead of time as soon as you can and how much space you're getting. That's all, that's all plenty of the time, more better, uh, as much time as you can. I think that actually echoes what we said before in our webinar was start planning as soon as you can, and then also expect something unexpected is going to happen on the day of the actual note. <laughs> yep, always does. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you taking the time um, to let us benefit from your experience with the many, many, many moves that you have coordinated and organized. Um, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Community IT does these free webinars and podcasts for our community, and we love sharing our knowledge and experience. If you have more questions or are having trouble with your IT at your nonprofit, please get in touch with us on our website, www.communityit.com, so we can start a conversation or schedule an assessment. Downloading any of our free resources there will get you signed up for our webinar reminders, and you can attend our next webinar in real time and ask our experts your own questions. If you love podcasts, please subscribe and leave us a rating to help others find this leadership resource for nonprofits.